creatures are not the same as clockwork, but maybe you can trace them back to something. For instance, superstitious commitment to four-leaf clovers, in which, for the record, I still firmly believe. Lava lamps, snow globes, lavender tea, competitive Scrabble games, dream catchers, trees, lists of words I rarely conjure up because they forever remain in the notes on my phone and the tip of my tongue, like conglomeration, conniving, auspicious, brevity, Kimia Dawson songs that I relate to, cling to, try to drop because I probably shouldn't, decide not to because hell yeah to anthems for the self-conscious and sad, and fuck that to pretending that those things aren't there. I'm a sucker for relatability, and those are not my clockwork, though they may say something for the shape of the cogs. They certainly say something for sentiment, at least. I cut my hair and wait patiently for nose rings and purple hair dye, whims I choose to live my life by, because why not represent myself loudly? I become more and more expressive, like slow transition from notes on my phone to captions to open mic nights, and this is not my clockwork, but it is the shape of my cogs. Mm. I'm still figuring out my clockwork out, one cog, poem, and character analysis at a time. Mm. Okay, so I'm Gwen. <laughs> okay, Gwen, tell us about yourself. Um, so I write poetry. And I do theater, and I'm a special education major at MTSU. So, how did you get into poetry? I started whenever I was 12. Um, I met a girl at the Boys and Girls Club because I went to the Boys and Girls Club whenever I was younger and like all of middle school. Mm-hmm. And she was really cool. She thought about everything on a deeper level and she had this amazing concept of how people thought and how situations worked and I was like I want to be like Caitlin (laughs) I want to write and so I started writing and it was just really bad and I stuck (laughs) with it and now it's been seven years and the fact that I've done anything for seven years is just like crazy to me but yeah um and it's really become a way for me to like frame the way that I see the world Mm. and really just like relate with other people and have an outlet. So I really don't know where I'd be without poetry. That's great. So did you have like a, okay, so in my opinion, when everybody start like writing, mm-hmm. journaling or write poetry or anything, they have like a a thing. Mm-hmm. So like they try to rhyme it into the words, they try to do haikus, like did you have a thing? I didn't know writing enough. I was just like, I'll just do whatever sounds deep and is important to me. And it was so bad. Like, it was very bad. Like, I started on Wattpad and... I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, so, I uh, I got this new friend. He's super, super great. He's mm-hmm. a uh, music artist. And we was having a conversation. Shout out to that boy, Kai. But we was having a conversation, and one thing that he said, one statement he said is, artists are powerful. And when he said that, the first thing I thought about, I was like, oh, my God, we are, because we do something, and we can create a piece, because she does um, art as well. But we can create a piece, and we can create it, like, thinking one thing, Mm -hmm. but the way other people perceive even take it or whatever like that it's a completely different thing but they always carry it on same with poetry and our words so when you hear artists are powerful what do you think of so that's definitely right I feel like artists have a way of 
taking their life experience and making something out of it that a lot of people just can't wrap their heads around. Um, and I, I do think that that's power. It's like taking what your history is and saying, this is not what I'm going to keep it at. I'm going to put it out there. And it almost reminds me of like mosaics where it's like, you take everything, you rearrange it, and then you make something totally different out of it. And, and that's just amazing to me. And then you get a bunch of artists together, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, we met at Wanderlinger, yeah. which has the poetry open mics. And that's just so powerful to see all of that in, like, this melting pot of people all sharing their life stuff and then thinking about it and then putting it into this new form. And that's, like, it's so cool. Like, I don't think there's anything that's more empowering to me than that. It's this, um, it's crazy because we use our trauma and our experience and everything like that, even our vulnerability, to basically show the world who we are. Mm -hmm. And it's this, I just learned about, I wish I knew how to say the Japanese word for it, but I don't know how to say it. But there is this art style in a Japanese culture that is mind-blowing to me. And basically, think about it like this. So, you got a vase. Mm -hmm. You drop the vase. Normal people would just throw it away. Like, uh-uh. But there's this, like, method, style, whatever the context is, that the Japanese, they'll use, like, gold to mm -hmm. mend it back together, and then that becomes new art. I love the idea that, and I think that's what we do as artists, and we don't even realize the power that we do. So, yeah, these are my broken pieces. But you're the goal that's putting it back together and seeing the beauty in mm -hmm. my my vulnerability, my sadness. Like sadness does not always have to be truly sad. It can be like beauty. It can be like, hey, I feel connected to you because you're able to show me this. How many people in the world are able to like go on stage like we do at open mics and talk about like trauma, triggers, sad stuff or whatever, or even, you know, anything going on in our life. But the other thing that I love about any kind of artistic expression really is like it all kind of involves some element of composition and so there's a lot of room for i mean not everybody thinks of it as an external process some people think of it as just like rearranging their stuff and it's usually like a really good indicator of how somebody's inner workings of their mind work and that's really cool to me because like everybody's different we all have different ways that we process things and think about the world and it, it's amazing and everybody has something that they can offer and artists really like lean into that and yes. it's really cool to see i um crow from poetry night he said an amazing like statement that sticks to me to this day i don't think i can ever just rid of it i think it's tattooed in my mind at this point but i'm not going to exactly it exactly how he said it but he basically was saying as artists um our art no matter what we make our art is a blank canvas until somebody mm -hmm. else give it meaning so i can create this piece but until somebody else tell me like oh it's beautiful to me it's just there it's just a space do you agree with that i don't i mean i think it depends on the purpose of the art that you go into it with um i mean some people think of it that way mm -hmm. and that's okay 
But I feel like in a lot of cases, you know what you're trying to convey, and it's like a diary entry of anything. So it's basically just you saying, this is my thing. And it may or may not come across how you're thinking of it, but that's okay because it's not for other people. It's for you. I like that. I like that a lot. That makes sense. That makes more sense than anything because it's like, even if I'm just like throwing color on the canvas, mm-hmm. I'm doing it for a reason. I'm releasing mm-hmm. anger. It's like, this is anger. Now, you might see it as abstract, but to me, this is anger. I'm releasing my anger. So mm-hmm. however you perceive it is, that's what art is. And that's why I love art because art is anything you can't say right or wrong when it comes to art mm-hmm. i think that would you know make it the beauty of it well and i mean a lot of people view art as a form of humanities and like is there any right or wrong when it comes to humanity like mm. it's all just complicated i mean do you feel like you're okay this i don't know if i'm wording this question right but do you feel like you study in like special education in school do you feel like that ties into your art life yes it, it does. very okay. much so does because like when i was in high school i did jrotc and theater mm-hmm. and i also wrote and i was really into english like i made i think i scored like the second highest score on the ap exam in a year that almost nobody did wow and so i already had a pretty strong concept of like composition and really a lot of artsy things i also did a lot of visual art when I was younger that I didn't really stick through, but like I had that ideology. And so there was a while where I thought that I wanted to be a theater major, and then I kind of like decided against it. Like, okay. So why did you end up deciding against it? Because I realized like it wasn't theater that I liked, it was things about theater. And what I like about really all of the things that I do is you kind of have to like take how other people are gonna think and then apply that to your own thinking and then use that to either like help them or reach some kind of goal and to do that you have to have a certain level of self-awareness and know how to like take the world and absorb it and then do something productive from it and so I was like well special education that works (laughs) So do you like structure because you like J-R- J-R-O-T-C in theater? They're both like things you have to be like one, two, three, four kind of thing. Like, I didn't really like the structure element of it as much. Like I liked that it was structure that was productive, but I really more liked the like mushy part of it. Cause like J-R-O-T-C, you had to like, you had to have a good sense of community mm-hmm. and you had to know how your actions were going to impact other people, your yeah. team. Yeah. And then, like, my favorite position, my favorite, favorite, favorite position was squad leader, where, I mean, I only had, like, three or four cadets that were mine, but they were my cadets, and they didn't know what they were doing, so I had to figure out what their issue was, if they ever had an issue, and what their strong suits were, and how I could better them in the year that I had them. Yeah. And that was so cool. I loved it so much, because, like, I was a mentor for them, and I got to use my knowledge and my awareness of them and my passion for it and be like, this is what's best for my team based on my assessment of this person. I like that. I loved it. It's almost like, so you like to be of service kind of thing. Like that, that gives you that extra oomph into you. Like I'm the same way. Like if I'm not doing something for somebody, I'm like, okay. Or I'm asking like, how can I help? How can, what can I do kind of thing? 
I'm not gonna lie to you, like, a big part of that kind of came from, like, codependency stuff for me, Mm -hmm. that I kind of had to learn how to redefine as something productive, and at the time, it was not productive, but I've been able to use that same mentality and, like, set better boundaries for myself and then do something good with it that I hope I can really channel in special education. I don't know what, okay, what's the difference between attachment and codependency, in your opinion? So attachment is just like any kind of attachment. It's just being really close to somebody. And then codependency is like basically being dependent on somebody being dependent on you. So Mm. it's like taking other people's problems on yourself and really focusing on trying to like fix them. So I mean, same. It's like sisters versus twins kind of thing. Like the twin, we're connected kind of thing, but it's like sisters like blood. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's So I mean, in time I've realized that there's only so much good I can do with that kind of attachment style and that I need to be able to set boundaries for myself and other people for it to fully benefit them. Almost like a tough love kind of concept where it's like... Same. Yeah. I I think that's why I had to ask you because I was like, what's the difference between codependency and attachment? Because I'm like, I know one of those. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with one of them. And it is a codependency thing because like I am a very codependent person where I have to take moments where I draw back and I'm like, why am I feeling so much? Like, it's not just me. And, like, it'll be moments where I'm, like, feeling a lot. But I'm, like, my life, there's necessarily not nothing going on in my life. So why mm-hmm. am I feeling so much where I'm, like, I'm about to cry. I'm well, about and to- we're both super empathetic. Like, yes. I feel when I get like that that I am just a sponge. And I cannot really control how saturated I get. And I do get to a point that I get oversaturated. And I've been feeling that, like, a lot lately. Yes. And I've learned, because, like, I just had a really big thing come up family-wise, and, I mean, you know a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. It's like I was absorbing so many people's emotions all at once. I and, like, where's my emotions? It's over here. Meanwhile, all this uh-huh. is everybody else's. And so that was really eye-opening that, like, even though I've set those boundaries for myself, I still need to know how to be like, okay, I'm not letting other people's emotions into myself. So... I guess for me, I file that differently than codependency, but it is still an important thing, the knowledge that, like, okay, I'm empathetic and that's good, but also (laughs) my line. (laughs) I have to remind myself sometimes where I'm like, okay, this person's sad. That does not mean I have to be sad, too, with them. Like, I can feel them without having to feel with Mm -hmm. them kind of thing, and I think that's the hardest thing, too, because I'm like, Oh, we're, we're both gonna cry. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll curl up in a fetal position to like I'm that person. Like I can't. I don't want to say I can't, but I'm working towards not being so codependent, especially with friends. I'm very mm-hmm. like when I first meet a person, I'm like I know they're gonna be my friend. I'm like let me go ahead and give them warning signs. Hey, I'm like this da da da. Even though it is something I'm working towards because it's not it's not necessarily healthy. I don't want to say it's unhealthy, but it is not healthy because it's like you need to be able to be a single person kind of thing. You don't need um, somebody else being everything because this person will call you if you don't talk to this person or whatever. It's like, you know, a whole thing. It's like, calm down. But it's like, I think me, as like a water sign, everything is so intense for me. Mm -hmm. Like, everything is just like, end of the world, beginning of the world, like, black and white, where's the gray? See, I live too much in the gray area, I feel like, because I'm constantly trying to sort things out and I'm like okay but like it's a little bit of black a little bit of white and those can coexist right that's like 
And they a lot of the time do. I mean, they do. I think when it comes to my feelings, it's black or white. Mm-hmm. That even like if I don't express it, I have to step back. So like, say for instance, I'm sad. I won't immediately be like I'm sad. I'm like, okay, hold on, let me process this. Am I sad for this moment? Because I am an empath. Is it like a 15 minute sadness or just an actual sadness? Like, do I have to step back? And I'm like, that's where it's like a gray area where I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, what's going on? But when it comes to like matter of factly, it's like, okay, I don't like this. I do like this kind of thing. So it's like, I wish I could be in a gray area all the time where it's like, hmm, let me sort through it like, you know, completely. Cause like only when it comes to my feelings, I'm in a gray area. When mm-hmm. it comes to other people's feelings, I'm like, all right, intense. What are we doing? Like, mm-mm. I'm on your side automatically, or I'm feeling what you're feeling automatically. Like we're both going to be mad together, this and that. Well, I'm. I feel like I come at it from an interesting perspective because, like, I sometimes get a little bit like dissociative to where I can be mentally in one space, but also be like mentally stepping back from it. So I'll still be absorbing people's stuff. It's almost like the absorbing other people's stuff is like closing that gap between that like social presence of myself versus that like deeper version and usually I try to stay back and have those like kind of two mental presences I, know which, I guess um, I don't know oh my god I got I got a very interesting like I guess it's a statement or something like that mm-hmm. me and my friend uh shout out to that boy Kai again I'm gonna tag him in the show notes but me and him had a very interesting conversation and Okay, so we were talking about, mm, I'm going to just tell you the conversation Mm because it's hard to say the exact topic and I'm going to tell you the conversation and you just go on from there kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So the topic was basically like, who are we? And he was like, okay, Jazz, do you feel like we shed ourselves every, you know, like a new person or whatever like that? Or do you feel like we have alter egos? And I was like, once he said that, I'm like, okay, let me think about it. And in my head, I was like, okay, I feel like we're like a snake. We do shed ourselves, Mm -hmm. but it's not every day. I feel like we shed ourselves whenever we're uncomfortable. That's like a whole new us, like a whole new awakening, right? But I feel like we have alter egos every day. So who I am with my family is not who I am with my friends, who I'm, you know, depending on who you are in my life or whatever like that. How do you feel about that? I feel like... You know, I was talking about those, like, two versions of myself. I feel like the, like, mm-hmm. inner self is kind of stepping back and looking at the social situation and being like, okay, what do I need to give to this social situation? What's going to get the right response? What's the part of myself that I'm, like, showing or not showing? And sometimes I feel like I'm sacrificing authenticity for it. So I've kind of learned that I have to, like, really be aware of, like, whether I'm being dishonest with myself in that moment mm-hmm. and it's still a hard balance because it's like I, I don't know all the time what's me and what's just like me fit for the you. situation yeah um it's- and as far as like personal growth like that inner self I feel like she's always changing a little at a time but that doesn't really happen from situational stuff that's just like life and learning and that's just like no matter what you're always going to change it's not even something Mm -hmm. that you just wake up and want to do it's like and sometimes you do wake up and want to do it and sometimes even when you do wake up and want to do it you're wrong (laughs) i feel that i feel that that. that's why i had to bring that up because um you said the two sides of you i'm like 
I just talked about this the other day, and that's mm-hmm. why I love this podcast because it always the whole podcast idea is about people's opinions, people's ideas, topics, and everything like that they bring to me. So I'm glad that you even brought that so I can relate it back to something I just talked about because that was pretty cool. Um, so like when it comes to going back to the art and going back to expressing yourself and everything like that, so do you feel like you can basically do you feel like artist therapy do you feel like if you're going through a situation in life do you feel like doing your craft can like help you through it or do you feel like you have to talk to people or do you feel like like I think it depends I think there's definitely been times I've had to take a break from art things Mm -hmm. because it's just become like self-destructive more than anything because like usually it's very cathartic and it helps me organize what I'm thinking and feeling and it's a really good way to identify things Mm -hmm. Um, but there are times where it's like almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing and I'm like going too deep into these mindsets that I really don't need to be condoning and I need to take accountability and be like okay we're over here we need to move over here um I think art is that scary thing because it's, it's beautiful because I can talk about it in a way. Mm-hmm. Not even talk about it, I can show it, like actions in a way. But at the same time, it's scary because it can be that spiral. Mm-hmm. It can be that staying in the house kind of thing instead of getting out and getting a little bit, you know, breath of fresh air and getting a new scenery or whatever and starting to get a new mind space. So it could be that whole I, I keep looking at this piece. So say, for instance, you're doing like a painting. I keep looking at this piece. So I'm keep going back to the same space, the same moment, same time. So I'm still feeling the same feelings. Like think about it like with like a song. You hear a song and you can think about a moment, especially if that, like that song is tied to a moment or a smell, mm-hmm. like a perfume, something like your grandma. She has a certain perfume or something like that. So there was an elevator at MTSU that always smelled like my grandma's <laughs> perfume, and I still don't know why. <laughs> I've had so many moments of that where I'm like, where are you at? Where you at? <laughs> and so, like, well, art, I can see how it can be that. It's a scale. It's, it mm-hmm. can be, it definitely could be like a whirlwind going down, because I promise you, going back to the same moment every time, it's like, all right. But I will say, on a different note, uh, with poetry, it's like that, but it's not like that, too, because I know there were certain poems I remember, and you even told me this, when I'm in my feelings, you can hear it, you know it, you can tell, mm-hmm. and so it's certain poems, like, at that moment when I write it, you know I'm going through it, you know I'm feeling it, but if I read it, like, three months later, I can read it in the same way, but it's not that same, what, like, energy, or what is it, like, it's something, like, capturing passion? that moment, passion, it's not the same passion, maybe because I'm not going through it. So the words are the same, but I'm not affected the same. And kind of similar to that, but a little bit off topic. The other thing for me is like me writing poetry is different than me owning my poetry. So like, mm. I feel like Wanderlinger me, it's like, again, Wanderlinger is where we do the open mics. Um, me at the open mics is in itself kind of art because I'm like taking it and experiencing it and putting it out there and I'm also in this community of other artists that I'm like learning from and Mm. 
I feel like that sort of ties into Rick's thing that he does with the taking lines from different poems. The and then, collections. So it's, it's yeah, collections. Being very, like, in the moment and absorbing other people's. Because there's a good form of absorbing. I mean, mm. I may be a sponge and I may get oversaturated sometimes, but there is a side of myself where, like, I do sometimes, like, take that step forward and close that gap myself between, like, my inner self and my outer self. And I'm like, this is great. Like, yes, yes. I'm very present in the moment. I'm owning my inner self. And... It's amazing. And that really lets me connect with other people and learn from them. And You know what? You just made me think about something I never even thought about mm-hmm. with Rick's collections. Because mm-hmm. it is him being in a moment. But in the same time, we read, everybody there read entire poems yes. multiple times. And he chews certain lines. Mm-hmm. Those are lines that connect to him. Yes. Somehow, some way, and everything like that. He puts them all together and bring them right back into our, our face. It's like, okay, you didn't hear it this way. Let me do a different voice. And we all do it. And we all do it. This man is, artists are powerful. Artists are powerful. Like, do you notice too that we keep accidentally hitting on a different theme for every night? Like, <laughs> we'll all read a piece and then we'll be like, wait a minute, that resonates with, with my, this, yeah. with that, it, it blows my mind. It Every blows time. my mind, and it's just like, it's beauty in this because it became a community where we're, we're so in sync, mm-hmm. we don't even realize how in sync we are, and it's just like, we get each other without even knowing that we get each other, yes. it's an understood silence that we got, that even going in there, I can make eye contact, I'm like, I'm at home, like, I love the community that is like, even the art community, it's like, we, we honestly can laugh together, we can cry together, we can do everything together. I did cry last Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Not even kidding. Me once a month. Me once a month. I'm always like, hey, you guys, warning. I'm about to cry. <laughs> I feel like I tell Rick that every week and it never happens, but last week it did happen. But in my defense, it was the night before a full moon and we were all off. So um, I had an episode called Hill In, Hill Out mm-hmm. with Madam Joe, And me and her were talking about therapy. And me and her were talking about, like, our different styles of how we found therapy because it was funny because she went through different therapists to find her I therapist. did, too. That's crazy. <laughs> I literally, I went, the crazy thing is I was calling different people. Nobody called me back except this one lady. We were playing phone tag. Mm-hmm. And then one day I was just, like, having a breakdown moment. I was like, all right, I'm about to sit in her office. I don't, I'm going to catch her during breaks. Like, I'm going to have a book. I'm going to read. Like, I don't care. What did her for like an hour? She came out and I'm just like, hey, I'm Jazz. I'm about to cry. Cry. Ever since then, she was my therapist. Like, you know, she was just like that person. But she went through a person. She's like, uh, no. Uh, no. Well, how old were you when you found that therapist? I was 20. Yeah. So I started going to therapy when I was like 13. And let me tell you, nobody takes 13-year-olds seriously. They don't. They think don't. That, no. And so everybody... I had to go through so many therapists that tried to treat the symptoms and were just like, okay, she's better at handling her anxiety, so she's graduated from this. She doesn't need me anymore. And I'm like, no. I need you. I very, still- like, I need somebody. It's not you, but I need somebody because yeah. I still have so much stuff that I need to process and work through. Because a lot of people don't think that kids that young can have that kind of complexity. And I mean, thankfully, it took a lot of it on myself anyway because I wanted to, like, be self aware mm-hmm. and have that kind of deep interactions 
with the world. But if I hadn't done that, I don't know where I'd be because I had so much shit. I mean, same. Like, the main thing, the main reason I went to um, therapy, I sat down and I was like, well, first of all, before I even sat down, mm -hmm. I researched and was looking up therapists for coping because I've always been told I'm dramatic. My mom, I don't know if you're into like um, zodiac signs or anything like that, but like she's an Aquarius. So everybody's mm -hmm. saying Aquarius is her distant, nonchalant, everything like that. I'm a Scorpio, complete opposite. Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. So like <laughs> when I tell you we're opposites, we're night and day. Mm -hmm. And so I can like, I can cry about something. And she's the type of person where she's like, okay, but what you about to do? And I'm like, let me cry first. And then I'll figure out what I'm going to do. But let me cry first. And she's like, but what are you going to do? So it was like, even though she cared, we just never show our emotions the same way. Which I get as an adult now, I'm one of those people I look at different point of views. But as a child, no way in hell. There's no way. It's the end of the world for me. I did finally end up with an effective therapist when I was like 16. Mm -hmm. I might have been 17. Because I had to go through, like, four before I found this guy. And he, like, worked with my grandma. And he usually didn't see minors, but he was like, this girl has, like, she's way above what I'm used to for this age. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I will see her. She is interesting. You're definitely way more mature than your age. Like, I wish I could have guessed your age. <laughs> I would always put you at the same age as me. <laughs> like, literally. And it's not a bad thing. It's a really good thing. Because, like, I would not want somebody to look at me like, you're 12 like you know mindset wise it's like it's so no. funny too because like i'm five foot one so if people look at me they're like oh she's 12 and then i talk and they're like no she's like 30 <laughs> yeah it's just like oh. <laughs> and i'm like i'm tiny 19. but mighty i yeah. love to say that that's my favorite thing to say because <laughs> i'm only five three. well it depends on the hairstyle <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the hairstyle uh, the shoes for me yeah i'm like right um, now with this fluffy i'm five three <laughs> um but, like, I swear my catchphrase with this man was, like, Cliff gets I told you so points. Because what do you do? <laughs> it's, like, he didn't understand me where I was at right then. Like, I'd be, like, I'd have this whole, like, thing mapped out on what my mentality right now is. And he'd just be, like, I don't get this, but I did just notice a thing. So here's this super vague assessment of, like, you on a deeper level. And I'll be, like, that sounds <laughs> fake, but okay. And then it'll come up, like, three months later, and I'm, like, dang it. Cliff again. That is, oh my, that was me. Because I swore up and down my therapist and I'm like, you don't know me. Stop. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, wow. Well, yeah. Cliff did know me. It's just like he'd be it, like. He knew me too well. Uh -huh. It's almost like, it's crazy because <laughs> I think I love therapy so much because it's, it's that unbiased opinion. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're my friend yes. without being my friend, to be honest with you. You're not going to be like, hey girl, it's okay. You're going to be like, yeah, you messed up here. And you're dealing with this, and it's like, I need that friend who don't, like, you kind of consider my feelings, but yeah. you don't, but you're giving me that real outside look, but you still care about what's well, going on. For me, it's a relief that there's no, like, judgment? With attachment to balance. Because for me, that's really anxiety-inducing. And okay, it's not just, well, so for me, like, I don't assume that if I'm close to somebody, they're going to sugarcoat stuff. They might not. But I do know that whatever happens between us is gonna like it's gonna impact the dynamic in some way. That's crazy. So I'm, I'm just like I I I'm, don't want to worry about what I say and if that's gonna affect them somehow. So okay, I got a question. 
because that statement you said is huh okay i'm one of the most blunt person i know like in my life yeah around whatever i would say something and like you know when people i guess like the way i say it like you know i'm not gonna be mean about it i'm gonna say it very nicely but at the same time I'm like hey you're doing this kind of thing and other people aren't like that with me in my opinion mm-hmm. they're like hey i kind of don't um possibly maybe da 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 and i'm like no you're not doing this so do you feel like everybody in your life or the majority of people in your life are blunt i feel like it depends but the other thing is like i'm 19 other 19 year olds don't think about stuff like they don't they don't know what advice to give but even the people that do like it's hit or miss on if they're going to be blunt about it because like they're coming at it from their own perspective and so they might not even have a fully accurate like view on the situation Mm. even when they are being blunt but also like it's scary to be close with someone on the level that you let each other affect each other. And I mean, that's normal. That's like what connection is, as long as you know how to do it in a healthy way. That control is scary. Yeah. And I feel like that control just doesn't have a place in like reliable therapy. And that's why I like therapists is like, that's not there. Your sole job is to psychoanalyze me and let me figure out what to do with that. Like, <laughs> yeah, because I love yeah. the fact that I, what they tell me, I overthink it, but don't overthink it with feelings. Yeah. It's not like a friend telling me like, hey, you're being, um, you're being a little anxious lately. Now, mm-hmm. if my therapist tell me, oh, you're being anxious, I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's a different kind of like, so my therapist made me more self-aware. But my friends that have me, like, they'll tell me something, but I won't take it to heart, if that makes sense. I'll just I take it that. skin level. But my therapist, I take it heart level because I'm like, you don't know me. So, like, think about it like this. A celebrity. Celebrities, they have personal friends. Yeah. Their personal friends probably tell them, like, oh, you're great, you're amazing. And then there's these random fans online or whatever saying, hey, you suck. Do you not think they're going to think about their fans before they think about their inner circle because of like the it's almost like you care about what everybody thinks i don't have that experience with it just because like i think that that comes down to just being a your personality thing like it's you want to depend on who you are Mm -hmm. um but what i will say is like the issue i did have with cliff is like if i didn't feel like working through something I was stubborn. Like, I got so deflective with that man, and I feel so bad. Like, Cliff, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you're like, laughing in the background right now. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I learned a lot from it, and it was really enlightening, and he handled me really well. But there were times that I'd be like, you don't know me. I mean, you know me, but like, you're not personally invested. So I lose nothing from just like pushing it out because I don't feel like dealing with it right now. So I wholeheartedly feel that. (laughs) (laughs) Me and my therapy sessions, (laughs) even when COVID hit, I was like over the phone. And like, that was harder for me. I'm not gonna lie to you. Over the phone versus like, in person, in person, I'm way better. Over the phone, I was like, I mean, I can cry over the phone, but it feels weird looking at this phone crying. I want to be on your couch right now. It does. Yeah, that happened with me with Zoom where I was just like, well, now you're not looking at me face to face. Now I would like 
you can't see my body language. I don't have to tell you anything. Yeah, and I think that's why I kind of gradually mm-hmm. stopped because it was just like it's not. That's being why personal. I stopped, and I need to go back to Cliff. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Cliff should be back. <laughs> because the thing about me being so like wanting to help other people mm-hmm. is the thing of it is if I'm not helping someone then I sometimes don't help myself <laughs> and so I think that's another thing where like on the one hand it's safer for me and it's easier for me to be honest if I'm with a therapist where the control element isn't there but at the same time um if the control element isn't there like like I said, if I'm not affecting you, I can deflect. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> so, like, I, like I don't know why I do that. It's like, I could be learning from this, and I could be growing from this, and I don't do it because it's not affecting someone else. Because a deflection is a shield. Yeah. It's armor. But like, you just choose that type of armor instead of choosing, like, body armor. You choose a shield. But deep down, I know that if I were to let that in, then I could take that and grow from it and connect things that I didn't connect before. So really, it's not hurting anyone other than myself to do that. But you got to think about it like this. It's scary. It is because it's uncomfortable. It's yes. not what I'm used to. I'm going to be scared about anything I'm not used to. But if I know about it, why would I be scared about it? I don't know. And like, it's the unknown. I really don't get it for me because it's like, I that is what I'm used to. And that's why I say, if I'm uncomfortable, if it's a risk, if I feel anxious, it just is untapped happiness yeah that's what i tell myself now even if it might end up being some bullshit at the end i was like you know it's untapped happiness because i can all you can always mm-hmm. find a brighter side in every freaking thing no matter what kind of thing and so when you feel weird it's just like all right this is some happiness i've never experienced before let me see, figure out what's going on or something like that 